This is an AMI podcast. Before we get started, I want to acknowledge that this podcast was produced and hosted on the unceded and stolen territories of the Squamish, the Musqueam, and the Tsleil-Waututh First Peoples. I'm honored to live, work, and to play on these lands. Welcome, everyone, to Accessing Art with Amy. I'm your host, Amy Amanti. My pronouns are she, her. Winnipeg, Manitoba, it's located in the Canadian prairies. It's a place that I have never been, but it is on my bucket list. And I understand that it's quite renowned for its human rights museum and even for its food. I guess I'll just have to make a plan to get out there someday. But my guest today, Sasha, grew up in rural Manitoba and has found a unique artistic practice. And she uses the practice of cast glass to share her lived experience, to provoke conversations, and to connect with community. So I'm really curious to just get this conversation going. So let's jump right on in. My name is Sasha Coppolo. My pronouns are she, her. I'm neurodivergent, and I've lived with chronic illness since about 2003. I'm mostly a glass casting sculptor, and I also do painting and drawing. Sasha, I'm so excited to, to chat with you today because I'm so interested in what glass casting is all about because uh, I'm embarking personally on some glass blowing as a as a blind gal I don't know exactly how that's going to happen but tell us what glass casting what is what is that all about so as opposed to glass blowing where things are empty inside they're mostly vessels glass casting is usually making sculptures that are solid glass and I use a method called lost wax, which I think is a very beautiful phrase. So basically, I make a sculpture out of wax, like sort of like if it was plasticine or clay. And then I put a casting material around it, which would be the same like if you break your arm. And then I turn it upside down and I melt mm. the wax out. So it makes a hole the shape of the sculpture. And then I put it in a kiln with chunks of glass in it, and the glass melts into the hole. And then after a while, you take it out and you divest it, which is breaking off the casting material, and you end up with a cast glass sculpture. Okay, I'm trying to like unpack this in my in my brain. I think I, <laughs> I, think I got what you're putting down. Um, okay, Sasha, so like, where where did you learn to do this? Was this like... I, I'm like, you know, you're asleep one day and you're like, huh, I want to try X. You know, like, how does this <laughs> idea come to you? Well, when I was very young, like about nine years old, I became obsessed with making little figurines out of plasticine. And I even made my own tools because mm -hmm. I didn't know about sculpting tools at the time. So I ended up with like hundreds of these little figures that were made out of plasticine. So that was the beginning of my dream of being a sculptor. And then I eventually went to art school at NASCAD in Halifax. And I took multidisciplinary courses, mostly painting and jewelry making, because in jewelry making, you learn some of the same techniques for sculpting. So um, I learned how to mm -hmm. do casting and things like that. And uh, yeah, then it just kind of 
evolved from there. Very few places teach glass anymore because it's so incredibly expensive. But there just happens to be one of the world's most amazing glass casting sculptors living in rural Manitoba, um, which is where I'm from. And so I got involved with this organization called Mentoring Artists for Women's Art that provide a mentorship program where they team you up with an established artist for a year and that person mentors you. And so I had the incredible fortune of being teamed up with Ione Thorkelson and she is a generous and brilliant woman and she teaches me anything I want to know, absolutely anything. And so she taught me everything I know about glass casting. Sounds like I need to make a trip out to Manitoba. And have a visit and check out what you do because I'm fascinated by it. I'm guessing that you are, I mean, you're doing this practice out of some kind of studio, right? Or is this in your home? Well, I have a studio in my house. My house was built in 1909. Mm -hmm. And when I bought it, I gutted it and eco renovated it um, in a way that I could have a functional studio. So it's got its own dedicated exhaust system to get rid of fumes and it's got a work sink in it. And I'm just now navigating this horrible process with my insurance company for them to allow me to have a kiln in my basement. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'll have, and I have a mold making studio in my basement. So I do all my work at my house, which is great also because my disability yeah. makes it hard for me to travel and it takes a lot of energy to leave the house so I can work when I feel up to it, which is great. Mm. I, I, I love this idea of being able to have this, like the studio where you need it, because it's got everything you need in terms of, you, you know, what your, what your access requirements are, right? Because it's custom built just for you, designed yeah. by you. Do you ever invite folks into your studio? Oh, I do all the time. I and... ask selfishly as I plan a trip to Manitoba. <laughs> I also take pictures of everyone who has visited my studio ever. And I invite people a lot to learn how to do art because I think if you know how to do art and someone wants to learn what you know, you should teach them. So anybody who wants to learn anything is welcome in my studio mm -hmm. and I teach them. And I take pictures of them doing stuff in my studio. So I've got this whole mosaic of these amazing pictures of people being artistic. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's talk a bit about the process. Like what is your process when you are thinking about I don't know, what it is that you want to create? Do you have an inspiration and idea that sparks something? Or like, what is that process like for you? Um, well, I have a sketchbook that I mostly don't sketch in. I just write down ideas and feelings and inspirations and things like that. And I tend to mm -hmm. have a backlog of ideas that I want to make into art that goes back maybe like 10 years because there's so many ideas. But my art form is a really <laughs> slow process. So it takes a long time to make things. So I never run out of ideas. What is a long time? I'm just curious. Um, well, it kind of depends on the size of the sculpture that I'm working on. My last project involved two sculptures that ended up being about 28, 21 inches long and 35 pounds of solid glass. 
So that was this incredible feat. (laughs) It's very hard to make large molds for glass. It's very hard to transport them. It's very hard to manipulate the glass afterwards to do what they call cold working, which is like grinding off the parts that you don't want and polishing it and stuff like that. So that took Mm. two years. And the just the time spent in the kiln melting the glass was two months for each sculpture. It was firing for two months, which is really bizarre. <laughs> so yeah, it takes a long time. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I'm starting to put the puzzle pieces together in terms of, you know, what you're talking about it being quite expensive too, because I guess the getting of the glass, like where do you get the glass from? Can you can you use recycled wine bottles or <laughs> how, where does the glass come from? Well, that's going to be one of my new experiments once I finally have my own kiln. I didn't think it was fair to do like bizarre experiments while I was borrowing someone else's kiln. So I would like to try using like household glass that I'm recycling and just see what happens. But I haven't done that yet. So what I've been doing is buying glass from the States. It's a gaffer glass. So it's a lead glass, which means that it can melt into smaller spaces easily. So you get really fine details easier than with other kinds of glass, which is super expensive. Mm -hmm. It's one of the heaviest glasses there there is. So shipping it is a problem. (laughs) So yeah, it's it's quite the production to get glass. I can imagine that that shipping is it's probably more expensive to ship it than it is for the cost of the glass. Um, I I have no idea. <laughs> it takes a lot at the factory too. There's a lot of environmental controls, especially with lead glass, that need to be in place. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think the whole process from start to finish is expensive. <laughs> do you buy glass in different colors, or how do you infuse color into the work? Um, yeah, I buy it already colored. Um, They do that at the manufacturing place. You can do specific things to change the color of glass. And my mentor, Ion Thorkelson, she, in the beginning of her practice, was one of the pioneers of experimenting with how to change the color of glass and add color to glass. And she devised her own way of actually making glass, like out of sand, um, but that's way beyond Ooh. my scope of abilities. I'm not a science person at all. <laughs> oh, that I mean, like the hamster in my brain is running really, really fast right now. <laughs> trying to think of all the cool stuff that you could like, I don't know, I guess if you were making it out of sand, you could collect sand from all different parts of the world. Or can you mix sand from different places in all parts of the world? These are all questions that I don't think <laughs> I could answer. I don't know if you can answer them, but my brain is thinking hard about those pieces. Yeah, I have absolutely no idea. (laughs) It took me this long just to get the knowledge I have, and it's enough to make sculptures, and I'm good right there. Well, and and how long long have you been doing this? Casting glass in particular? Yeah. I would say since 2017. That's when I started the mentorship. So it hasn't been all that long, but you're also a, a painter as well. So have you been painting... Oh, yeah, I do oil painting, too, with oil glaze, which is sort of similar to glass. The The quality I like yeah. about glass is that it's translucent and the, the quality of light coming through it makes it like shine like a brilliant jewel. 
And I feel that you can uh-huh. kind of achieve the same effect with oil glaze because oil glaze is painting in multiple layers of translucent pigment so that the light bounces from like it, the light goes through the painting, bounces off the support that you've painted onto and then comes back up through the paint to your eye. So you get this really jewel-like depth to the painting. Mm -hmm. So I went to art school in 2006 and I was like in my late 20s then because I had already done two degrees in 1997, it must have been, in a totally different field and had worked um, in that field for many, many years. But I had always wanted to do art And finally, I just decided this is what I have to do. So I decided to go back to art school. What made you decide? Well, the career that I had before this was international development with uh, leaning towards environmental sciences. So I was working all around the world on like short term contracts. And it was hard like forming relationships with people knowing that they would be very short and I'd be moving on to another place and also the work that I was doing seemed often to be based in this weird kind of colonial perspective of I'm going to come to this country and teach people how to do things better which is not the way development should be. And so I just felt like, you know, the people in these countries have the knowledge and skills. They just often don't have the resources due to exploitation. So um, at that time Mm -hmm. in the 90s, I don't think development was happening often in, in a very positive way. And so I decided to move out of that field. It's really interesting, though, because it sounds like you know, in some of this, this studying in terms of the environmental pieces of it, that you're, you're bringing that into your artistic practice. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And being an artist involves all sorts of decisions about the materials you're working with, and toxicity, and your footprints on the earth. And so that's like a, a constant struggle to, to keep it as Um, ecological as possible and also the themes of your work can I mean art changes the social sphere art can move movements culturally so I think it's important to make work that has a message sometimes and so I'll often dip into environmental messaging. Would you say that that is primarily what your messaging is when you think about the creation of a piece? It hasn't been lately Um, I've been trying to think about authenticity and what touches me as a viewer of art and as a consumer of art. And so I've been doing a lot more personal topics um, because, you know, I'm I'm me. And so I can speak from that point of view. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's really nice to meet art that is vulnerable and honest about people's personal experiences because that makes you feel not alone and that um, expands your understanding of other people's Mm -hmm. realities. So I've been trying to do that. My first solo show, Mm -hmm. which happened in 2019, 
was about being a spinster, which is not a very popular word these days, but it's how I describe myself. And very few people talk about what it's Mm -hmm. like to be a spinster. So that was the focus of that show. And it created a lot of really interesting conversations and a lot of debate. (laughs) Oh, I can only imagine. I can only imagine. And and I, you know, I, I hear what you're saying when you talk about spinster, but it's probably a term that would, that, that I, uh, a category, I suppose that I would fall under as well. So <laughs> I totally <laughs> understand where you're coming from with that. <laughs> and people like they shy away from that word, right? So it's good to have art as a way of talking about it. Absolutely. Art is meant to generate conversation. It's meant to spark that in us as human beings. I, I think that's kind of my belief around art in general. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's meant to, um, give you an emotional experience as a solo viewer too. What is the emotional experience that you hope people take away from your art? Well, I've walked through art galleries all over the world. And what I enjoy most about them is the art that causes me to recognize things that I need to investigate or express myself that I haven't found the artistic vocabulary for yet. So I'm hoping with my work, people will find some elements within it that will speak to their reality in a way that they haven't thought of before, or just in a familiar way. And also just the aesthetic of what I'm making can be enjoyed just for itself, especially the glass, because the quality of light moving through colored glass is so ethereal and so calm. And it's sort of like a meditation. So I'm hoping that people will experience that. So my, I guess I'm curious about, you know, you talked about having a solo show and I think that's super cool. Where is it that you share this artwork do you are you often in gallery spaces or do you have maybe you have an own, your own gallery attached to your home because you've got a <laughs> workshop there but you know where is it that you present the work yeah um well I've been lucky to have a couple of gallery directors enjoy my work and offer me shows so I've had all of my shows I think in different galleries locally and I'm also going to start expanding outside of Manitoba and look for shows and galleries in other places. So that'll be happening in the future, I hope. What else is coming up for you as an artist? Have you got a project right now on the go that you're working on? Or Yeah, I, so I'm doing like the horrible technical business side of moving my practice forward by um, (laughs) trying to install this kiln in my basement, which is a nightmare. Um, But I was so lucky to get a grant from the Manitoba Arts Council to purchase the kiln, which is just amazing. I could never have done it without a grant. Um, So that's happening on one side of my practice. And then on the other side of my practice, I'm working towards another solo show, which will happen in December. And that show is going to be about um, community and love and interconnectedness and distance. 
and uh, I'm going to create a kind of uh, prairie landscape that's inhabited by glass figures that are doing various bizarre things based on experiences that I've had in the past and experiences of people that I've come to know. I love that. I love the, I love the idea of community uh, when we talk about art. I just it 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 makes my soul happy. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. <laughs> I mean, I could spend all day long talking to you about art and glass, and because I think you're fascinating, and I'm really I'm really vibing on what it is that you do, and I and I I I I'm serious about the threat of coming to Manitoba because I will do it at some point. You'll get I an email so. from me like in a year saying, "You remember the interview you did?" <laughs> I would absolutely adore that. <laughs> awesome. I hear that sound, Sasha, which tells me that it's time to play a little mixed bag. So, are you ready for that? As ready as I'll ever be. <laughs> I promise it's mostly harmless. Mostly. Okay. First question is, what is your favorite meal? Oh, my favorite meal. Um, that's got to be from my childhood. My family was in the countryside in the middle of a forest. And we had a giant garden. My parents are hippies. And it was my job to go out into the garden every <laughs> evening and pick the salad. <laughs> so fresh peas, fresh lettuce, all the fresh vegetables. I'm a vegetarian. So just the taste of all those fresh vegetables straight from the garden. A giant salad with everything you can imagine in it. That's my favorite meal. That sounds good to me. I'm a salad lover myself. <laughs> Here's the next question. If you could travel anywhere in the world, where would it be? Oh, well, I have traveled around the world, been in about 33 different countries. And my favorite place in the world is Ireland, specifically Galway, because it's often overcast and slight mist in the air. So it's a little cool. And it's so beautiful to look at things without glaring sun just interfering in your vision it's so much easier to look on an overcast day and just see everything with wide eyes that again totally resonates with me as a person that lives with legal blindness as much as i enjoy the sun uh, i can't see when it's sunny so living in vancouver means that it's often kind of overcasty and misty and a little rainy here. So Galway sounds like it's on my bucket list. I've not been there, but it sounds exactly like the place I'd want to travel to. You should. And I'm jealous that you're in Vancouver. You also have amazing weather. <laughs> well, you're welcome anytime. I can't offer you a spare bedroom, but come on out and we'll figure something out. <laughs> awesome. My last question for you is, Sasha, do you have a nickname? A nickname? Um, well, <laughs> um, my mom calls me Saskatoon, which grows wild on the prairies here. <laughs> it's a berry. <laughs> a lot of my exes call me Sashi. <laughs> and that's about it. Normal grown-ups call me Sasha. <laughs> I had a, a, a boyfriend once and uh, his nickname for me was Corn Chunk. I could... I, it, <laughs> How flattering. It was, 
All right. We were playing this game once about um, ha- ha- like, like, let's each come up with the most awful nickname we possibly could for each other. So my nickname for him was Schmuzzlebutt. And his nickname <laughs> for me was Cornchunk. Schmuzzlebutt is way better. The game in we my play. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was the artist, right? So I came up with Schmuzzlebutt. There you go. I approve. Yeah, I approve. Um, if people want to connect with you, where can they find you in your work? Um, so I have a website and it is sashacoplo.wordpress.com. So S-A-C-H-A-K-O-P-E-L-O-W.wordpress.com. Awesome. Like I said, I could spend hours talking to you more about your artistic practice. But I just want to really thank you for joining us on Accessing Art with Amy. Well, thank you so much for having me. And I can't wait to meet you in person. And friends, before I let you go, I want to share with you this quote by George Bernard Shaw. You use a glass mirror to see your face. You use works of art to see your soul. Thanks for listening to Accessing Art with Amy. This podcast is produced by me, Amy Amanti, technical production by Jacob Shemansky, and the manager of AMI Audio is Andy Frank. Hey, we'd love to hear your feedback, so you can reach out to us by telephone at... 1-866-509-4545 or by email at feedback at ami.ca Thanks again to my guest today Sasha Coppolo Keep exploring friends, we'll see you next time Hi, I'm Ramia Amuthan. Join me weekly for AMI Audiobook Review, the podcast that explores new titles, introduces us to famous narrators, and updates what's hot at the Center for Equitable Library Access. Download episodes of AMI Audiobook Review from your favorite podcast provider.